Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover, accept payments, run your business, and sell more. For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.clover.com. When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Post Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is September 27th, and yes, we're going to talk about baseball. Now, yesterday, last night was the last start for a lot of guys, which is meanings really means that the SB roundup shifts away from the true analysis of the start and what we expect moving forward to actually more of 2024. So it's kind of weird talking about these games because they don't really matter for your day-to-day stuff. But just treat them as quick previews for 2024. And then, of course, offseason is going to be a lot more to do there. So Seth Lugo, for example, 8.2 innings, 0 runs, 3 hits, 3 walks, 7 Ks, 123 pitches. I love this. The Padres just said, go and take it away. You know, this is your last start of the year. Almost got the complete game shut out, um, but he had a walk and a single in that last inning, and they pulled him. Understood. But uh, yeah, what a lovely Toby he has been. 3.57 ERA with a near 120 whip, 23% strikeout rate for the entire year. He was one of those late round sleeper plays that we had as like a deep discount Toby. Um, I had circled and it was between him and Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo just kind of took it and ran. Now, as far as what he does, it's a curveball that's good and a fastball sinker. Sometimes we saw a slider show up this year, but not really. And it's fine. It's a Toby. So... I don't draft Tobies. You guys know this. I'm very curious how uh, where he goes next year. I believe he is a is a free agent, um, but uh, we'll see what happens there uh, with Seth Lugo. I actually might be a player option for seven point five million, and we'll see if Lugo sticks around. Um, looking at other guys, there's Kyle Bradish who just killed it against the Nationals, and he's just been an ace. I gave him the ace as an ace because honestly, like the last eighteen games for Bradish have been absurd, and he deserved it a while ago, really. Against the Nationals, eight innings of shutout ball. I uh, I don't really think it's going to last again in 2024. And I think a lot of people are going to say that it will. When I look at his repertoire, I see an amazing slider. I see him pull away from a four-seamer that is very susceptible to damage. And to throw more sinkers, I don't think the sinker performance will be as good again in 2024. And the curveball has gotten a lot more strikes. However, it is inconsistent start to start how much he uses it. So there is a world that Bradish becomes a slider curveball 60% of the time. And if that actually is what he does in the future, I would have more faith in this. But can he continue to get such amazing call strike rates on both his four-seamer and his sinker? I don't think so. That makes me a bit hesitant for Bradish for 2024. Depends on where he goes in drafts. Um, It's obviously a winning team too, so that's really nice. I think a lot of people are really high on Bradish for next year. And because it's more of the old Cleveland Guardians situation of being breaking ball first and fastball second, 
I vastly prefer pitchers who are fastball first, um, secondaries second, as they should be. So that's uh, I mean, just think of all the aces, all the stalwarts who have come out of nowhere to be exceptional um, for a full year. Branch is under for about 20 starts or so, not a full year. It really is rooted in good fastballs more so than it is breaking balls. Kevin Gosman against the Yankees, seven innings of zero runs. And what's really interesting to me, I didn't realize this. I think in the second half, I kind of just kind of waved my hand to Gosman because I didn't realize his whip fell so much. His walk rate went up about two points from about 4% to over seven, actually three points, I should say. And his whip is at like 118. Um, That's a... Wait, I thought he was like a 105 whip guy now because the walk rate was low and the hit per nine was better. Wait a second. It's still an eight hit per nine. About a 325 Babbitt for the year for Gosman. Wait, what? So that makes more sense. I remember my argument in the offseason for Gosman being that his fastball actually deserved to have a decently high Babbitt because he doesn't locate it well. And yeah, it, there it is. It's right there. So it's, sure, it's not the 363 that Gosman had last year. We expected some regression from a career or like a historically high BABIP fine, but the whip isn't much better. The main difference was that the strikeout rate went up three ticks, which meant that over the course of a full season, you know, 20 to 31% meant that he had about what, 30 more strikeouts or so for this year. And that's a huge deal. You know, that is what a 15% increase, 10 to 15% increase of total strikeouts. That's awesome. But yeah, pretty similar ERA, pretty similar whip. Kind of interesting that Kevin Gosman is the same-ish. Uh, and makes me wonder, wait, should he be a top five starter next year? I don't think so. Maybe. The strikeouts are worth it. The whip, though, it's... He's not going to be a 105 whip, guys. He's not going to be that. Okay. Michael King against the Jays. Six innings, zero and runs, one hit, five walks, and five Ks. Okay. So, this is interesting. Just one hit in six innings and five walks. Why? Because he went two for 18 strikes on his changeup. Two! 11% strike rate. He threw 18 of them. 16 of them were a ball. Like, I don't know how else to express this. This is ridiculous. But he still did really well because he has an amazing sweeper and good command on his sinker and four-seamer. So, I... I think we're going to get one more start of him. I want to do a big video on Michael King. I want to watch like a full game of it. It might be the 13 strikeout game. It might be this one. It might be the one he does on Sunday. I hope they give him that one on Sunday because they want to give him more time in the rotation. It's going to be a lot of talk about Michael King. And I really haven't formulated my full opinion quite yet. I do want to mention, yeah, this is kind of the floor-ish of that changeup not getting those strikes. And generally, when it's focused on called strikes on sinkers I don't think that that's sustainable as much through the year look who is the poster child the two poster childs for called strikes on sinkers it's Brady Singer and Aaron Nola okay volatility uh George Kirby against the Astros with got the win six innings one zero in runs five hits one walk four Ks fastball was not the overwhelming pitch but good sliders and as long as that slider is really good next year, I think George Kirby should be able to fix that four-seamer to make it more of a, you know, not a 21% CSW pitch here. And also, 58% O-swing on the sinker is really nice for Kirby. So, I love that. I don't expect Kirby to go on Sunday, um, but there could be a situation where 
The Mariners are fighting for the top of the AL West, and why that matters is because they would get a bye in the first round, which means you can start Kirby on the first game, and then you don't have to rest. Like, he can start again in the first game of the Divisional Series because it's a three-game series with the wild card, and then there you go. So, that might actually still happen. That said, the Mariners might not want to risk throwing Kirby there and then uh, not having him for the Divisional Series, but... I don't know. I think they'll be fine with like Castillo, Gilbert, and Wu, or or Bryce Miller, and then have him for the uh, the divisional series. I don't know what's going to happen over the weekend, but just kind of thinking this out, and we might actually see another George Kirby start as he gets the Rangers on Sunday. Uh, Zach Greinke zero earned runs in five innings against Detroit. You love to see it. I'm going to give him the gold star because it's just so cool to see it, and hopefully he gets you know that start on Sunday. I think it might be the last one of his career. He's just you know you know Greinke. He's not going to like make a big show of it. Uh, saying that he's retiring, but they would let him just go and do whatever the heck he wanted um, that last game and go for as long as he wanted, so that might be just some kind of ridiculous outing, and I'm looking forward to that. Chase Anderson did well against the Dodgers, and it's just like, that's the most Chase Anderson thing. Uh, Bailey Ober against the Athletics killed it. Five innings, zero runs, two hits, zero walks, and eight Ks, and we should get one more on Sunday in cores, and I'm going to go for that because his changeup was amazing. He threw more of them than his fastball. That's cool. Uh, Miles Michaelis had a great start against the, the Brewers. Very rare considering that he is, in his previous eight games, all of them were at least 300 runs. Seven innings and one had run here. Seven base runners and five Ks. And here's the thing. Miles Michaelis now has 34 starts for the year. Because they swapped him and Thompson, he has a chance to go 35 starts if he starts on Sunday. Miles Michaelis would be only the third pitcher since the start of the 2011 season to throw 35 games in a year. Who are the other two? I'm going to do old school Alex Fast trivia for you there. And I'll tell you at the end of the podcast. And by the way, right now, Reed Detmers, Aaron Nola, Josiah Gray, Reese Olson, many others we have to talk about. And we're going to talk about all of those after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Reed Demers against the Rangers did well. Seven innings, one to run, four hits, four walks, and seven Ks. And we're thinking, oh man, but that new changeup, right? No, it wasn't very good. The slider, not two over 16 whiffs. The, The curveball? 41% 41% CSW, but only 50% strike rate. Uh, fastball? 93.1. Yeah, he got away with this. Um, I think he's really fatigued, and uh, I'm really happy it worked, but like this was just a, whew, okay. Guess this worked out kind of kind of game. And uh, I'm ready to just say, okay, Reed Demers, what are you going to be in the spring? 
uh, late dart throw in your drafts if there's something that improves. But honestly, I think pitching for the Angels, I mean, this is something fast, but I always say, is like, I don't want to trust guys that pitch for the Angels. And I get it. They are not good at developing and improving in season a lot. Uh, Aaron Nola against the Pirates, 6.2 innings, one run, four hits, zero Ks. You love to see it. He is a cherry bomb, and I, I'm i glad his last two starts were good. He did different things. It was change-ups against Atlanta, and this one was more of the fastballs doing well. It's an even year for Aaron Nola next year. He's bad in the odd years and great in the even ones, and I'm really curious where he's going to go in drafts. Uh, I also am curious where he's going to land in free agency. I hope he's an Oriole. I think that'd be pretty cool. Josiah Gray against the Orioles. Speaking of which, six innings, one run, five hits, two walks, seven Ks. I had no faith in this one as his breaking balls were just completely not part of the equation last time. He went sinkers and cutters, and I just don't believe that. We did see 30% breakers here. The curveball was better. Um, and that was out of 43% CSW. Um, he got away with so much here. The slider was not very good. The fastball was right down the pipe. He tried to do cutters upstairs for some strikes. He got some. It didn't really work. Curveball was better. This was, I really don't know how he did this one, honestly. And I I have no idea what to expect for Josiah Gray next year. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Pitchers for the Nationals, I can't really get excited for them unless they're not on the Nationals anymore. Same with the Royals, but then there's Cole Reagans, who is just being guided by Tread Athletics. <laughs> so he has development, you know. Um, and I, yeah, I just don't want to go after Josiah Gray at all. Uh, Reese Olsen... Against the, the Royals, I was thinking, man, the Royals are kind of good right now and a little scary, and the changeup hasn't been consistent, and his forcing was kind of weird. And he killed it. 22 whiffs for a gallows pull. He would get the Guardians on Sunday. So Reese Olsen, all right, fine. Nine out of, seven out of 19 whiffs, I should say, on that changeup is great. You love that. Uh, 5.2 innings, one earned run, five hits, two walks, and seven Ks, by the way. Uh, four-seamer was in the zone confidently. Slider was so good down in glove side. Really cool to see some results, and we're going to hear a lot of conversations about that in the offseason. There are so many random pitchers who were just like, oh, he's really interesting for next year. Like Reese Olsen's in there. You have uh, all of these athletics pitchers. Okay, I'm going to do that next week. I can't wait. By the way, guys, if you're wondering, like, hey, what kind of content are you going to do in the offseason? Is this going to continue to go on and stuff? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of these uh, Plus Pitch podcasts still, so... At uh, the very least, I know that I'm going to have, uh, obviously, the pitcher breakdowns are going to be coming out in January like they did last year. But uh, they might actually be going in December, I think. Maybe November and December as opposed to just saving them for January. Um, as I will be going through my uh, my my team-by-team breakdowns on playback through the offseason. So the morning streams I do 10 a.m. to 12 in the morning are still going to be going on in the offseason as I do a lot of work and I'm going to be going through team by team those rotations and I'm going to be writing the blurbs for the top 300 that comes out in February. And what's really cool is if you have PL Pro, you can actually read those articles before everybody else. You'll get early access to the individual player blurbs team by team throughout the offseason until they all get combined into a proper ranking in uh, in February for everybody else. So... I don't do article paywalls. I do do early access, if that makes sense. Everyone will be able to read it in February, but if you want early access to how I feel about a lot of pitchers, you got to sign up for PL Pro. Alex Wood uh, was opened for by John Berbia. 
because Cal Harrison was feeling ill. Cal Harrison apparently should get another start by the end of the year, so probably on Sunday is my guess. You might see guys get pushed back, but we didn't really know who would be going Sunday anyway. Maybe it was going to be Alex Wood. But I, I feel bad for Wood because, come on, you let Manaya and Stripling get these proper starts and not Wood? He threw 83 pitches, 4.2 innings of zeroed runs. Let the guy have a moment. Jeez. Whatever. I, I don't want to go after Alex Wood. <laughs> Bobby Miller against the the Rockies and Coors got the win. Seven innings, two runs, seven hits, zero walks, and nine Ks. What was cool is that we actually saw the slider do good things. 40% CSW, just four whiffs. You didn't throw it a ton. It was about like 15 thrown, but that's really cool. And I do wonder if the Dodgers are going to throw him again. They could throw him on Sunday theoretically because they have that bye for the first week. I imagine they want to slow him down a little. And it might be Ryan Pepio instead. This was a doubleheader day. So we don't really know who that guy is going to be. Monitor that. If Bobby Miller is able to A, get that slider cooking like it was here, and B, Repeat the uh, swing striker he just had on his four-seamer. In this one, it was 42 and a 21% uh, swing striker. So through 42 of them, I think that's a 9 out of 42, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's a big deal because it's a 10% swing strike rate for that four-seamer. Even though it's 98-99, he doesn't really get too many whiffs on it. If that becomes a regular thing, if it's like a 14% swing strike rate four-seamer with that amazing curveball, the changeup that was fantastic yesterday, and that whiff-heavy slider... Dude, that's insane. For the Dodgers who are a winning ball club and allowing their guy to go seven innings on 91 pitches, like, you have yourself your breakout starter of 2024. So, I'm very curious how much I can buy into that in the offseason. We're going to talk about it a lot. I, I do worry that that four-seamer and sinker combination is more of quick outs, which is not bad, but it's not the Wheeler four-seamer. It's more like, maybe it's the Alcantara one, but Alcantara, I think, has a little bit more whiffs on it. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about those fastballs quite yet with Bobby Miller, but I feel like there's an opportunity here. Um, and if he's able to just get over that hump a little bit with those heaters and wake up that slider, there's just so much potential there. Uh, Mitch Keller against the Phillies. He did well. Six innings, two in runs, three hits, two walks, six Ks. And it's just so strange to me. And he threw a ton down in the middle, got away with it. And it's just, he gets one more start against the Marlins. And I guess we're doing that too. I'm glad he succeeded against the Phillies, but I am not drafting Mitch Keller next year. Absolutely not. It's just too weird to me. Um, it doesn't quite make sense. Justin Steele came through-ish against Atlanta. 5.1 innings of three and runs, six hits, one walk, six Ks. I mean, yeah, you didn't really want to do it. It's Atlanta. Six Ks at least. It was close to a quality start, or at least a poor quality start. But 18% CSW. His command with his forcing was terrible. I mean, really bad. I mean, Slider was actually getting down, which I haven't really seen a lot from him. But my gosh... It was bad. He is gassed. I, uh, he gets the Brewers on Sunday. I am scared, guys. I really don't think this is it. <laughs> um, Zach Eflin against the Red Sox got the win. Five innings, three hundred runs, five hits, zero walks, four Ks. And that's kind of more of what I expect from Eflin. I know he's had this unbelievable year. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of discussions about how real this season is next season. Uh, like looking at 2024, can he just repeat what he did? There are some positives. He pitches for the Rays now. They've obviously tweaked him a little bit. So winning ball club. Uh, he got over 170 innings. They're letting him go the right amount. Um, his new cutter is a better thing. You know, it's the best cutter I've ever seen from him. That's great. Here's the problem I see with Eflin for next year. One is, I mean, I, again, this is my early reaction right now. But one, peak innings for Eflin with a guy who's kind of had injuries all the time. 
Uh, he said two seasons of about 160 innings. That was it. This is 170. If you want to say injuries are a weird thing to really bank on, I get that. I shouldn't really ding him too hard because everybody gets injured for whatever weird reason. And what the heck, let's not just like ding him too much for that. But fine. Two, uh, we've seen the cutter go in and out. And I really do liken uh, Zach Eflin to uh, Charlie Morton a lot subconsciously. Because it is that curveball focus. Um, so, it's curveball focus with those things. And it's, I don't know if I trust the cutter to return next year. I don't know if I trust the sinker to be that good next year. And I feel like he's more of this 5-inning, five, 300-run, five 5-hit, five 0-walk, 4K guy than he is like the 6-innings, 8K, 0-walks, 1-run guy. So, I feel like this was a peak season. And I just generally don't like buying into guys with multiple peaks where... I don't really think the new addition is something that's going to stick around. So that makes sense? Okay. Christian Javier, we're going very long on this one, and you guys deserve it. Uh, Christian Javier, for, you know, thank you so much for just supporting the entire year, really. If you're listening now, you're a real one. Good luck in your championship. Uh, we'll get to today and tomorrow's games shortly. Christian Javier, again, third time saying it, 4.2 innings, 300 runs, 3 hits, 3 walks, and 6 strikes out. Uh, he got a ton of strikes in the slider, 65%, and he got a ton of whiffs in the four-seamer, and why isn't this good? Because that's baseball. Oh, wait, also, 3 out of 11 strikes in the changeup. Dang, dang it, man. Like, why are you throwing that? And then getting yourself in worse counts so that you can walk three guys and be inefficient and throw 91 pitches in 4.2 innings. What are you doing? You got it. You, had, you don't need that. And also, he has some really bad fastball misses. I mean, he threw some, like, right down the plate and then uh, way out of the zone. Like, uh, he allowed three home runs, I believe, on uh, on fastballs. And they were, like, up and like bad one was actually fine kind of good up but then one was down the middle one was low and like that's not your game Javier um no I'm sorry three hits all three of the hits on home runs were on that fastball um Caleb Ferguson opened for Pepeo but the problem with an opener is if you can't get out of the first unscathed it's going to ruin everything what do you know 0.2 innings of 300 runs and so frustrating because Pepeo won six innings and one run and five hits one walk in nine k's did not get the win because it was opposite Chase Anderson who had his shutout game whatever five innings but Pepeo was amazing. 16 whiffs on 40 changeups is insane. And I wonder if it's going to be him on Sunday or if it's going to be Bobby Miller. My guess is that's Pepeo because they want to rest Bobby Miller and Pepeo. I mean, maybe he's in the rotation. Like, Kershaw's hurt. So it's really just Bobby Miller. <laughs> like, what is the, the playoff rotation for the Dodgers right now? It's Bobby Miller. Oh, Lance Lynn, I guess, and Pepeo and Kershaw. And Emmett Sheen plus Gavin Stone and Ryan Yarbrough. Like, it's Bobby Miller. Um, maybe Walker Bueller returns in time. I, I don't think he is. I think he's shut down, right? So, yeah, it's Bobby Miller. <laughs> and I guess it's Pepio as number two at this point. Um, Kershaw's going to try and do whatever he can. But, yeah, so, I, yeah, it's, it's wild. And... Take a look for that for Sunday, but don't bang on it too much. But they do have the buy. They might just want to get Pepio to get rolling that way. Adrian Hauser was a streaming pick because I had no one else I could choose. And unfortunately, it was five innings and four and runs and three. It's two walks, five games. And it's so annoying. He just throws whatever down the middle and then has like a slider and who cares? <sighs> he gets the Cubs. Maybe the Cubs have a terrible lineup on Sunday because they're resting after succeeding on Saturday. I don't know. Uh, it's the desperate play for Sunday. It's going to be questionable, all that kind of stuff. Jose Reina, we don't trust it. Zach Davies, unfortunately, even against White Sox, couldn't do it. Bryce Elder went against the Cubs, and we don't care. Um, it was a solid offense, and we don't really want to do it. There's an outside chance. He does get the Nationals on Sunday. Maybe that does work. Um, you might not get the win that you want because 
because Atlanta might be resting some guys. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that might be okay. They might be resting Elder because it might be part of their rotation in the first uh, round of the playoffs because all their guys are hurt. Uh, we have Lucas Giolito. Honestly, I feel like the results have been worse than the skills. I mean, his changeup, man, 10 whiffs on this one. Like, But he allowed three home runs on that changeup, and they were somehow were floated. So, yeah, I guess he's just volatile in this way. Fastball and slider weren't doing their part with a 32% strike rate on the slider. I think he's going to be a discount for next year because he's honestly been toyed around with these different teams. None of them have been locked in with Giolito's development. And if he goes to the right club, I think he's going to just cruise and be in a confident position. I feel bad for him that he's losing money on his paycheck, you know, throughout the tumultuous season. And uh, maybe he does take like a uh, a year on himself to like raise his money after it, but honestly, I feel like any team, like, don't worry, Giolito, we just want you, and that's cool. Paul Blackburn did not come through after allowing a grand slam. That's unfortunate against the Twins, and he doesn't get another start because it's a six-man rotation now for the Athletics. Unfortunate for him. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but that's it for Paul Blackburn, and what a weird, strange year for being a kitchen sink guy, and we'll see what happens to you next year as a very, very deep... I guess a, a cut line or a best ball guy. Okay. Ryan Feltner, no thank you. I'm glad you had that moment in the last start. But yeah, this was against the Dodgers and course, Of course not. Cody Bradford, decent changeup, bad fastball. And yet did not make it work against the Angels. He might go the last game of the season, which would be terrible for the Rangers because that might be a big game for them. Oh boy. Um, I hope he does well next year. Uh, Tanner Houck is breaking the Wasker and Noah rule if you go after him because it's just a good slider, nothing else, and he didn't do well against the Rays, and that's not for me. The final start of the year would be against Baltimore. That's an outside chance of Baltimore benching a lot of guys. Don't really want to do it, but he'll be a questionable. And Hunter Green is likely to get this last start of the year because I really hope the Reds don't say, hey, that's it for the Eagles, just rest you. No, get him his innings as he gets against Cardinals, because he allowed seven runs in three, and it's so annoying, and he's better than this, and we all know it. But this was terrible, and he's a cherry bomb, and it's going to be annoying for next year. All right, looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. Garrett Cole, Pablo Lopez, Grayson Rodriguez, Tarek Skubal, Tyler Glasnow, Kodai Senga, Jose Breas. You're obviously starting those guys. Ranger Suarez is against the Pirates. Make sure you get him in your line, because he's locked in right now, and it's the Pirates. Remember, Valdez, you're going to debate this one. Oh, boy. I like the fact that he threw his cutter and his curveball more um, later on in that game last time, and I hope it's fewer sinkers against right-handers. That's how I want life to be. And Brandon Fott is our stream pick of the day against the White Sox, as I think his breaking ball is really good. The White Sox are without Luis Robert uh, Jr., and I don't think that that's a very good lineup. He should do well there, as long as he does a lot of the home runs. And who's going to hit home runs with that team at this point outside of LA? Okay, and he does not do well against sweepers from a right-hander. Um, Wade Miley is a decent backup uh, streamer. Against the Cardinals, Braxton Garrett's going today, not yesterday, so get make sure he's in your lineup. Because I do like this one against the Mets. It could argue that both Wade Miley and Garrett are both in the probable start. Uh, but as a doubleheader today, make sure he's in your lineup now. Uh, Brian Bayo, I don't know what to say here. Um, Eric Samolski made a great point about Garrett's slider getting four whiffs in each of the last four games. Maybe that does come out more here against the Rays. But it is a good sinker and chain, but he should be fine. Shane Bieber, it's against the Reds. Even though we don't like that his breaking balls are not doing their major things, he could get enough strikes and do fine here. Maybe the breaking balls are back. It's opposite uh, Andrew Abbott against Cleveland. Yeah, he's a Toby, and he's not really executing with his four-seamers. You have Bryce Miller as a cherry bomb against the Astros. Dane Dunning, if he has a slider and cutter going, okay, against the Angels, but we just really haven't seen a lot from it. Griffin Canning, his secondaries, if they are excellent, could still come through in the strikeout realm, but he does allow a lot of hits, and it's against the uh, Rangers, and this is a risky play. Emmett Sheen is in Coors. We just saw an amazing slider from him, but 
I don't know if that's going to be repeated. Kind of risky there. Matt Waldron just did really well, and not just with his knuckleball. I mean, it was really the other things that got the strikeouts, but it, and it is the Giants, but yeah, we don't really know if he's consistent or not here, so absolutely cherry bomb. Joe Lucchese, it might seem low, but I don't like his secondaries, and he's gone away with sinkers perfectly spotted and getting all the good returns in the in the uh, field, and Miami has something to fight for here. It just feels like this shouldn't work out again for Lucchese, and Zach Thompson was moved to today, swapped with Michaelis. Um, and I haven't forgotten that trivia question. I remember 35 starts. Last two guys. Um, there's been two guys since 2000 start 2011 have also gone 35 starts. Who are they? I'll answer at the end. Uh, Zach Thompson against the Brewers. Maybe he has a decent enough arsenal. It could work out there. Um, but I don't really want to chase it. And do not start here for today is Sean Manai against the Padres. He's done well, but is the Padres against the uh, crushed lefties. Darius Vines could have a decent enough changeup against the Cubs. I don't know how long he's going to go, but that could work and get a win there. Joan Oviedo against the Phillies. He's a cherry bomb and the Phillies are good. Joey Estes is going not Luis Medina, which is messing up the whole thing uh, for the Athletics. But we saw his MLB debut, 93 or 94 on the fastball. He's more of a command guy. Do not have his command as MLB debut. And there's really no reason to expect that he will have it here. However, maybe no jitter, jitters. And also he was allowed to go 90 pitches in that game. So at least he's got a long leash. For the Royals, it looks like they're going to have an opener for Angel Zerpa, Zerpa but uh, that's actually better than I expected. I kind of forgot about him as an option. He gets Detroit. There is a chance for like 4.2 innings of decent production here. So whatever, very deep uh, streaming option if you got nothing. Um, James and Tyone against Atlanta. I like where James and Tyone is. I do not like that he gets Atlanta. Far too risky. Patrick Corbin, you never want to rely on Patrick Corbin, but maybe he has his best slider. At least he has a long leash as he faces the Orioles. Emmanuel De Jesus uh, for the Marlins looks like he's going. And he does not strike out anybody, and he walked eight batters in the last two AAA starts. So, no thank you. Luis Patino is getting a start for the White Sox, but he went two innings and then three innings before that in relief. So, I don't expect this to go long, but I am kind of curious to see if he can go five innings and maybe Patino can show a case something that makes him a starter next year for the White Sox. That'd be really cool. And Noah Davis for the Rockies in course against the Diders. Absolutely not. Looking forward to tomorrow's games. We have Zach Wheeler, Cole Reagans against the Tigers. I'll be watching that on playback.tv uh, slash pitcher list at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Make sure you show up for that watch party. It's opposite Sawyer Gibson Long. That's going to be so much fun. You better be there. It's going to be a blast. Um, you have Cole Reagans against Detroit, obviously, Corbin Burns and Sonny Graying, Chris Bass and Jesus Lazardi starting all of those guys. Sorry, Gibson Long and Jordan Montgomery are in that probable start tier. Of course, you're doing those. Um, you have questionable start of Dean Kramer, who looks kind of gassed right now. So I'm a little worried about this, even though it is hosting the Red Sox in Camden. I'm cautious of this. Opposite is Chris Sale, who has been destroyed by the Orioles for three starts this year. And we don't know what the velocity is going to be. Fortunately, it was up to 94 last time, but we've seen 91 there, so questionable. Logan Gilbert against the Rangers. Fastball hasn't been good. The slider has, but the fastball hasn't. Rangers are good. David Peterson uh, against the Marlins is a stream pick of the deck. I can't choose anyone else above. And we've seen him get some strikeouts, but I don't really trust it. Um, Ryan Nelson is after against the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox are so bad right now. And maybe that means that Ryan Nelson can have a better cutter and slider. Uh, I'm so tempted to put Ryan Nelson above David Peterson just because it's the White Sox, but I need one more streaming victory. By the way, uh, I made it uh, really awesome. Mike Gran um, let me know that April 23rd, Bailey Ober, I actually signed as a loss, a streaming loss instead of a win, which means I'm at 99 for the year, and I need one more win for the next five days. 
please. One of these streamers has to work. I've been waiting for this one win for like a week now. This always happens in September because it's just so much worse than the end of September to stream. Also, do not start here. You have Dakota Hudson against the Brewers. Maybe he's a desperate quality start play. You have Ryan Yarbrough against the against Rocky Road. I um probably Gavin Stone being involved there too, and good luck trying to guess it. And also, if it's gonna be good enough and at the right time, all that stuff. Tuki Dusant is a strikeout play, I guess, against the Diamondbacks. Don't want to do that. Marcus Stroman's going, but it's going to be likely around 80 pitches or fewer because he was at 65 last time, and it's Atlanta. No, thank you. Luke Weaver just went five innings, had a peak start, but not going to happen again against the Jays. Uh, Luis Medina is going tomorrow as opposed to today and get against some Twins. He had a better slider last time. Probably not going to go too long. Dylan Dodd might be starting for Atlanta. Don't have it. Any expectations for him, if I can say a sentence, against the Cubs there. Uh, you have Chris Flexen against the Dodgers and Coors, no thanks. And Luis L. Ortiz against an elite offense like the Phillies. Oh, boy. All right, and you're warning about that trivia question. Miles Michaelis might have 35 starts to end this year. Who are the other two guys since two that started 2011? David Price, who you might have gotten, and Hulis Chassin. When you least expect it, he will appear. Look at that. All right, thank you all so much for all your support this year. My name is Nick Pollock, and may your bounce be low, and your strikeouts high. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game, or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.